Hello and welcome. It is your money and I'm Susie Jones, your host, reminding you throughout the hour, any time of day, you can ask a question of today's speakers. You can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, one eight 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 six advice or you can email questions at any time to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Certainly you can email your questions again to your money at wealthenhancement.com. You can also use this number, 651-461-9226, anytime in the next 50 minutes, 5-0. But right now, it's my great honor to introduce to you Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor, Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor, Bruce Helmer. Hello to both of you. Good morning, Susie. Good morning, Bruce. Hi, Peg. Hi, Susie. Thank you for the great introduction. And thank you for your enthusiasm. You sound really excited today, Susie. I am. I don't know why. I'll let you know. (laughs) Well, thank you. Okay. And you know what? Honestly, I am too. Because, Peg, I got to tell you, I'm going to say it, you know, so everybody can hear. Today's topic is largely driven by you. um, And you'll you'll explain that in a a minute. Um, But it's really, I think, timely. And it's really a good topic that has universal appeal and, and is applicable to all of our listeners. And, you know, we had, I think you'd sent me an email as I was thinking about today's show, I was thinking we we're going to have to ask Susie to, to, for two hours today instead of just one, because we have too much show to pack into an hour. And you sent me an email and said, we may not get to everything on our list. Let's prioritize. So uh, let's do that. But, but uh, there's just so much good stuff in today's show and explain uh, how this topic came to be, and what you and uh, uh, what you, what you what you did to, to get us here. Yeah, I'd be happy to, Bruce. So a couple weeks ago on the show, we highlighted that Nicole Webb, uh, senior vice president and financial advisor uh, within Wealth Enhancement Group, that her and I were going to be uh, hosting this webinar called the Seven Wealth Building Strategies for 2023. So we did that last week, and it was it was a true blast. I mean, so what we did, and this is a first, we actually have um, seven different people, members of our roundtable, advisors through you know the country uh, that work for Wealth Enhancement Group, and we created this webinar. And so number one, it shows that we can do things virtually. So it doesn't mean that the advisor from South Carolina or the advisor from Maryland and and all these different places, they were at their location and Nicole and I were at our location. But what we did is we asked them, uh, and Nicole and I were one of the seven, we asked them, what would be your number one advice? you know, to clients for 2023. So these people are super knowledgeable. And I was even interested, Bruce, in what were they going to pick? So today, um, we're going to go through a few of them. But because I was overwhelmed when I look at the outline, and this webinar is actually an hour long. So it's one of our longest webinars. And if you want to view this after the show today, you can actually email us at that same number that's that email address that Susie mentioned, your money at wealthenhancement.com. And then you can get access to it. So, so let's get started, Bruce. Um, Do you want anything to add anything before we start? 
No, I think you're going to do the heavy lifting, and I'll chime in here and there, but I'm going to mostly learn along with the uh, listeners. Yeah, so uh, number one, um, and this was was one that Nicole, uh, uh, an advisor um, within Wealth Enhancement Group, but also the director of our portfolio consulting. So Gary Quinzel, he was one of our first uh, guests on that webinar. And the topic was, is it time to reinvest in treasury bonds? And so that's huge because in 2022, I can't tell you how many times clients were asking me about treasuries and they've been in the news, right? Because the Fed has been raising rates, raising rates dramatically in 2022. Now they softened it a little bit here in 2023 by raising them only by 0.25. But the trend last year created huge ramifications to our bond portfolios. And many listeners uh, today, if you're if you are tuning in, know that it was so dramatic that if you were the typical 60% growth oriented and 40% income oriented, like with bonds, that was the worst year in three times since they've even tracked a 60-40 portfolio. So this is extremely, uh, was a huge extreme difference last year. So Gary talked about that. And a couple reasons that he gave as to why this was happening is because the central banks have been a big part of that reason, right? We all know this now. Bruce, you and I talked about this in several shows last year. Inflation was at an all-time high, and we had kind of the perfect storm. We had the Ukraine-Russia war. We still have supply chain hangover still today with covid And it caused the Fed to use one of the magic tools that they have in their toolbox, and that is to raise interest rates. And the reason they want to raise is they're trying to slow us down. So Gary talks about, you know, the mechanics of how they try to control what we're doing. And they're trying to get us to spend less. Um, So they just began aggressively raising rates. um, And then guess what happened? there was a huge sell-off in fixed income. So if you owned bonds and you panicked, you sold them. You say, what? My bonds don't go down. That's supposed to be the secure part of my portfolio. So Gary talked about um, what does that really mean? And is that actually coming back now? Or is inflation getting less that we don't have to worry about it? Well, I mentioned the word, Bruce, treasuries. Um, that is like the, the, the indicator of where our interest rates going. So the beginning of 2022, we started off the year with treasuries being as low as 0.25 uh, for a one-year treasury. And today, I can find some for 4.5%. I mean, we're talking about a 400% increase in a very short period of time. Well, what does that mean kind of for listeners we talked about um, repositioning portfolios. So I already said people exited the bond market. Guess what? Now that interest rates are up, they're actually going back into them. And Wealth Enhancement Group did not sell out of the bond market 
because interest rates were going up. What we did is we rearranged what we owned inside those bond portfolios. And so we talked about that. What is it that we did? Um, currently, I am on the investment committee of Wealth Enhancement Group. And recently, we just added both short and long treasury positions to our bond portfolios. So, um, so that, that's kind of interesting, too. Why some short? Why some long? And we talk about that, Bruce, too, in this webinar we did last week. Bruce? Um, I just want to go back a half a step. That was That's really good stuff, Peg. But even I want to simplify it just even a little bit. You talked about that it was one of the worst years ever for a 60-40 portfolio. Sometimes uh, companies, I think, refer to that as a bellwether portfolio. It's very common uh, out there that, that people diversify and have a growth and income portfolio. And 60-40 is kind of the magic number and it did really poorly last year but i just want to emphasize that we've talked a little bit about it but it bears repeating most of the time the vast vast majority of the time if stocks do poorly bonds do well they have a, they historically have an inverse relationship with one another or a converse relationship and and vice versa that if that if uh, stocks do well then bonds do poorly it is very very unusual that stocks and bonds do poorly in the same year and that plus other asset classes like real estate also did poorly so what really made 2022 so challenging for investors is there just was no safe harbor most years if stocks do poorly they, they can kind of ease the pain a little bit or stop the bleeding with their return on their bonds or their real estate or something else but in 2022 there just was nowhere to go. So that just so people understand, that's what made the year so onerous as you look at your 401k statement, you know, at the end of December and so on. So that's really good stuff about where we think now we're going to go in 2023. And, 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 and that 60-40 portfolio probably is going to do a lot better this year than it did last year, right? Absolutely. That is, well, it's the um, direction and the um, advice that our investment uh, committee is giving us is that this year uh, should definitely be better. Uh, the second one I, I picked out of the seven is um, Justin Byron out of our new um, new market Maryland office. He, I, I find this interesting. This was his wealth building strategy. He said, I need to talk about the media and how much they get things wrong when there's market volatility. And what he talked about was, you know, think about the financial news media and how they make money. Now, Bruce, this sounds like you, actually, because over the decades that we've done this show, I know you get very passionate about the fact that the media tends to demonstrate that there's a lot of viewers out there. So, they have to, you know, the way they make money is they charge for the advertising. So the more that they get listeners, the more they can charge for their advertising. But the words like risk and volatility, that attracts a lot of listeners. And the more you hype, you know, um, uncertainty that peaks uh, investors' ears, so they 
kind of play, the media kind of plays on the emotion of fear, not just in the investment world, I have to say, in all topics out there that to grab your attention today, because we have so many ways of getting information, you know, they work hard to, to get your ear to listen to them. But as far as we're concerned, um, Justin being a financial advisor, and I'm a financial advisor, and Bruce Helmer, we're working with people every single day, we know that risk and volatility are a natural part of investing. You know, investment markets go up and they go down. We just don't know exactly when the up is ending and the down is starting. So we all know that investing is risky in itself. Um, but the way that you lessen risk is you have to diversify and you have to see further out than just the next three months or the next six months or the next year. You have to have kind of a, a longer time horizon and vision. Now, quite frankly, that's not easy for everybody. Um, when it comes to your money, Justin didn't talk about this, but I'm going to, when it comes to your money, we are so emotional about our own money. I mean, you've worked hard for that money. So, of course, you're going to be nervous when things are rocky. And it's hard to look out, you know, that far because lots of people aren't visionaries. I would say I am a visionary. I'm always looking three to five years, if not further out and I've always just been like that. That's part of my makeup, but it's not part of everybody's makeup. So the way you lessen volatility, and Justin talks about this, is you have to diversify. You have to go in different types of investments. Like Bruce mentioned that last year, stocks were down, bonds were down, real estate was down. That was a unique year. But you have to own some of all those different asset classes. Um, but what um, I recommend and our firm recommends is where the difficulty comes in is how much of each type should you buy? Well, that, you know, goes into how much risk can you take? You know, how much income do you need? How much money do you have to invest? Um, and so we talked a little bit, Bruce, too, about, um, you know, uh, timing the market and how there's still a selective group of people out there who feel like they can. Uh, and I understand when, when times get so volatile, you want to just jump out. And I still get this question, Bruce. Can I, I mean, it sounds like maybe 2023 might be rocky too. You know, there, I'm hearing about layoffs in these big companies. And I'm starting to see that the consumer is not spending as much and that housing is going down because mortgages went up. Why don't we just take the money out for a little bit here and then let's just decide when's a good time to get back in. It never works. You don't know when the, I, I can absolutely feel the butterflies, you know, to get out of the market. And that's what my clients feel, but the signs aren't there in the right time frame for us to know when to get back in. It's almost like it secretly sneaks up on you that all of a sudden the markets are higher, but you haven't seen a bunch of headlines that said, hey, everybody out there, if you're, if you're wanting to get back in the market, now's the time. Bruce? Yeah, this, this is such a great point, Peg. And, 
You know, the example I always give is, and it's pretty accurate, if there's a big upward movement in the market, the, the Dow's up 700 points, I don't get any phone calls from the media. But if it's down, I will invariably get, you know, several calls to, to, to do an interview and comment on it. Now, I'm not totally blaming the media, of which we are a part. I don't want Susie to feel like we're, we're beating her up here. I think kind of. I was just going to say that, Bruce. I was going to say at some point I'm <laughs> jumping in here. But I, can't, I held my tongue. No, no. You're, but fear, fear is just, I think, a more powerful emotion and fear sells. So it's not just the media. And the, the example I was going to give, Peg, and I'll tie this into diversifying, in, in my life, not, not in the financial planning world, but there might be things that I'm a consumer of. And when, it's, when, when the customer service is good or everything goes well or the performance is good, I'm happy, but I don't say anything. But if something goes wrong... I call and say, hey, you were supposed to deliver that. It's late and, or, or whatever the, the problem was. So we, we tend to be vocal, emotional when it doesn't go right. But, we're, but when, things, or when we're satisfied, we just take it for granted. In our world, in 2022, when performance of portfolios was good, we weren't getting, or I don't think I wasn't, maybe you were, I wasn't getting bombarded with phone calls thanking me for what a great job I was doing. But in 2023, when things were not good, I got phone calls wondering what the heck is going on. So um, in fairness to the media and in fairness to, you know, this point, the, the key point that you're making, diversification makes sense. And you don't throw your strategies out the window just because it didn't work in, in one year. And that, that was the message I had for people. This made sense. You know, last year in 2021, when the market was good, it didn't suddenly stop making sense in 2022 just because we had a bad you know, market this year. So that is such a good lesson. That, thank you for that. Do you know, um, Susie mentioned at the beginning of the show that if you have questions and you, you, you don't feel like calling in today or texting in today, we, we hope you join us. But if you have a question, we've always said you can email your money at wealthenhancement.com. And then we get those through the week. Um, you can do the same if you want to get a link to this webinar that we did last week. But Bruce, you actually, somebody um, emailed, I don't know if they emailed you directly, but it kind of goes with this volatility topic that we're talking about. The listener was curious why we haven't specifically done a program on investing in international or emerging market stocks. Do you want to address that? Because I know you you actually emailed this client or um, I don't know if they were a client. It might be a prospect. I don't know that they're a client, but you emailed them back. Yeah, well, I, they they emailed in and I and I had meant I think it was a week that you weren't here and I and I made a point that I was going to talk about it. And then I got distracted or sidetracked and I forgot to do it. But um, the, the question was, was basically saying you don't talk about international investing or emerging markets. Well, shame on us. We, we do talk about it because we do do it. It's in our portfolios. But obviously, if this listener doesn't think we do, then we probably don't talk about it enough. So, again, this point of diversification not all the investing in the world is in, the, in just this country, nor should it be. It's a global economy today. We, we trade with business partners and we do business all over the world. And there's a lot of good companies that are not domiciled in the U.S. And there's a lot of investment opportunity 
in Europe and Asia and, and, and other countries. And of course, the, the second biggest economy in the world is China. And I know, you know, we have political differences with them, human rights differences with them, um, a lot of differences with them, but we can't ignore them either. And even when they go into their shutdown, their COVID shutdown, that's, that's going to impact the economy. So um, this idea that, and, and we can, we're running out of time for the first half, maybe we can clean this up a little bit in the second half. Plus, I know you've got a couple of other points that you want to get to, but I felt bad that I had this question, and it's a good question, and I totally forgot to talk about it, but today's show, it kind of uh, fit right into the topic. Diversification should include global investing, not just domestic investing, and I'll give you a chance to pick up on that also, Peg. But, Susie, we're probably uh, looking at the clock ready for a break, huh? We're about 30 seconds, I think, Charlie, right away from that. So, yeah, we can just remind folks that what they're listening to and where to call and get them maybe if they've got some text questions or some calls, they can get in line too. Remember, if you're listening right now and you have a question or a comment, it's 651-461-9226. Again, that is 651-461-9226. You can use that number to either text a question to us or you can use it to make your question on the air. So we're back in just a bit. And we are back. It is your money reminding you for the next little bit here. You can text 651-461-9226 if you have a question for Bruce or Peg. And if you can't get to us right now, you can write this email address down, yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. Once again, here is Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Welcome back to both of you. Thank you, Susie. Uh, listeners, thank you for sticking with us. If you've been with us since the beginning, if, you're, if you are just joining us, uh, today we're talking about specific strategies for 2023. And I got to give Peg and uh, Nicole Webb a lot of credit. They, they have this idea and they went out and talked to a bunch of uh, members of the Wealth Enhancement Roundtable as well as other vi- uh, financial advisors across the country and said, what do you think is the most important thing that consumers, clients, prospects, that the world, the, the investing and uh, in, in, uh, country, uh, people concerned about personal finance, what's the one most important thing? And not everybody has the same answer. And they get and they took a, n- a number of number one answers from different people, created a great 60-minute uh, podcast, and we are today doing kind of a truncated version of that podcast. So, Peg, in the first half, we talked about uh, one person's number one was revisiting investing in, in, in T-bonds, in treasuries, and, and talk, you talked a lot at length about why 2022 was a bad year, but why 2023 they might, be re, uh, they might rebound and have a good fit in most investors' portfolios. And then another person talked about media um, misinformation or misleading information or focusing on the negative rather than the positive, which I said I think is human nature, not just the, the media. But because of that, uh, that fear that that can sometimes cause uh, bad decisions or it can cause people to make emotional decisions and to get out of the market maybe in, in 2022 when, you know, because they didn't want to hear the answer, just stay diversified and stay the course. But that's what we really talked about is the importance of diversification, trying to smooth that ride, not trying to time the market and all those things. And then the, the last thing as part of that, we went back and revisited a question about 
uh, investing in global stocks and emerging markets. And I gave a little bit of an answer there, but I thought maybe you might want to add to it. And then also I, I thought maybe you want to, you wanted to continue with more of the number one answers that came up from your podcast. Yeah, thank you, Bruce. One of the things I was thinking in the break was global investing. Well, most of us know that many, many, many companies within the U.S. have ties to the global markets. So maybe they're making widgets and they're sending them all over the world, or it's a technology company that's you know, working in conjunction with lots of other countries. So we can't forget that this is what I tell my clients, that we are investing internationally by just buying some U.S. stocks. So that's the only comment I wanted to make there. Then um, I'll go ahead and and, uh, just suggest that we go through one more or maybe two, uh, you know, things that some of these advisors nationally thought were the number one kind of wealth building strategy. I like this one from Michelle Gessinger. She is a vice president financial advisor out of our Rock Hill, South Carolina office. And I love this. She said, taxes are on sale. And so what does that really mean? Well, um, and, and how could the listeners benefit? Well, tax rates were reduced as part of that tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, and tax rates were actually lowered back then. We might kind of forget now because a lot has happened since 2017, but the amount in which people were taxed were actually increased. The amounts were increased. Unless Congress acts, this tax relief will revert to the previous tax rates, or we call it sunsetting, in 2026, which actually seems closer then when we talked about it or thought, oh, the changes happened in 2027, we got all the way to 2026, unless they changed it previously. But it kind of looks like now that we'll run through that 2026. So Wealth Enhancement Group's tax planning department, um, we're doing a lot of planning for clients now because we've only got a couple years. And it's an excellent time, um, as Michelle went through, she said, is a great time to do some good tax management and have a plan in place like taking distributions from a tax-deferred account. If you do that, you're going to pay less now than when taxes increase in 2026. Converting some of your traditional IRA to Roth. Bruce, you and I, we talk about that often on the show because once you want to convert to a Roth, pay the tax now, especially if the market's down. It's kind of a double whammy positive if you can do that. Then um, sidestepping some of the new RMD rule, you know, even though they changed it under the SECURE Act of 73, we're still coaching clients to take distributions out of their IRA if they're in some of these low brackets. And then taking income from non-IRA accounts and paying capital gains today because, again, the 2026, um, you know, kind of hovers on us. And and why wait if you're going to maybe use that money for income anyway, do it now. Then lastly, taking advantage of some of these higher and lifetime gift tax exclusions. I mean, this is huge. So if you are higher net net worth family, 
right now we almost have 13 million apiece if it's a couple. So that's 26 million that if we die would not be subject to the ugliest tax of all, which is really like a death tax. And if you're over those, um, those numbers, you pay a huge percentage. And I mean north of 30% in many cases. So it, that also will revert back to um, what it was in 2017, which is about $5.5 million um, apiece. So, and then lastly, we're talking about um, charitable giving and what are the tax advantages of uh, doing that now versus maybe waiting. Um, you might think that that's um, somewhat opposite of maybe what you do today, because if you want a large deduction, maybe you want to wait until taxes are higher. But um, everybody's circumstance is different. And charitable planning is a big part of our practice, too, which Michelle does um, address as well. Bruce? Yeah, this is such a great idea. You know, and this is one peg that if you'd have pulled me with this, it's not probably one I would have thought of. But as soon as you say it, I go, ah, aha, what a great concept what a great idea and and the thing that i think sometimes is hard for the consumer even hard for our clients is long-term tax planning and you talk about this all the time peg that people want immediate gratification well sometimes efficient effective smart long-term planning might mean paying a little bit more today so that you pay a lot less in the future we're all about reducing your lifetime net tax consequence. And sometimes that means paying more right now, but that's for a lot of people, that's a hard thing to do to purposely pay more than they would have to in, in a given year, but it may benefit them in the long run. And that's things like, you know, Roth conversions. So that's really smart. And that's really important that yes, taxes will probably, probably, we don't know for sure what, what the government will do, but taxes will probably never be lower than what they are right now. So let's take advantage of that is really what we're saying. And then the other thing I just wanted to mention really, really quickly, the tax brackets themselves, you know, how they come up with them has never made sense to me and, what, and for a lot of reasons, but specifically what I'm thinking of, you know, right now you can go from a 22% federal bracket to a 24% bracket. Now, I'm not saying you want to go into the 24% bracket. If we can avoid it, let's avoid it. We call this bracket creep when we end up moving into a higher tax bracket. But a 2% increase isn't as painful as, say, there, one bracket then is 12 and it goes to 22. It's a 10% jump. So right now, a married couple filing jointly, they can still be in a 12% tax bracket if their income is 89450 But if they go over 89450 all the income above that, jumps to 22% and increases by 10%. That's a lot. That's painful. So a lot of times tax planning, uh, especially as, as you get into retirement and you have more control over your, where your income comes from, is to, is to keep you in the bracket that you're going to be in anyway that you can't avoid and then soak up that bracket if possible. So this was uh, – who did you say came up with that idea? Because it's really a good one. The um, Michelle Guessings are out of our um, South Carolina office. Good stuff. What else you got? Yeah. Um, do we want to take, uh, Susie, do we yeah. have tax? 
Well, this is a question. A texter writes at 651-461-9226. Remember, you can jump in here. Uh, my wife and I are 59. We're ready to retire. He says we have hit our bogey. How do you factor a pension into your investment asset allocation? My pension will replace 25% of our my income. Um, can I, and if so, would I move after stock shares I own to Roth IRA? That might be two different questions that I'm saying. Okay, so let's start with, let's go back to my wife and I are 59, ready to retire, hit our bogey. How do you factor a pension in your investment asset allocation? My pension will replace 25% of my income, of our retirement income. Well, first, and he says, first thanks, I love the show. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, nice. <laughs> really nice. Well, first of all, Peg, being able to retire at age 59 is really wonderful. Not many people you know, get to say that and can't retire that early. But obviously a pension, having guaranteed income that you know is going to be there, is a huge advantage over not having a pension. Talk a little bit about how we, uh, how we uh, you know, recognize that in our financial planning. Yeah, so when you have a pension, uh, and, and I, I usually talk about a pension and Social Security kind of in the same uh, discussion, but a pension, depending on what beneficiary option you have for your family, you know, you can choose 100% survivor or maybe 50% or 25%. But let's say you you chose 100%. Then what we try to do is present value that pension. And what do I mean by that? Well, maybe, maybe your pension is $40,000 a year. That's the amount that you get. And if you think about it, then I look at what are interest rates paying at the time? Well, a year ago, basically it was, you know, 1% or 2%. Well, that means that, um, that if I multiply that, you know, 40,000, how much money, how much wealth would I need to produce that 40,000? Well, if it was a 2% interest rate, that means you would have needed an additional Two million, you would have needed $2 million to create that $40,000. So we would take that into consideration of your total net worth and what that's going to do to assist you with income. Well, today, I already talked about in the show, you can get bonds at 4.5%. So now that same 40000 that you're getting in that pension, you don't even need quite a million dollars to create that kind of income. Um, And so that is the way that we think when we're looking at pensions. And then Social Security is a little bit different in that maybe there isn't a survivor benefit, you know, for your significant other or your partner or, uh, but then that's how we back into how much risk do you take with the remainder of your money? So between the pension and Social Security, let's say that's, $60,000. $60,000. And you say to me, Peg, I need 100000 you know, um, gross to live on. Well, then depending on how much you've saved outside of that, our comment is don't take more risk than you have to, to meet your goals and wishes and wants and, and needs. So that's how we back into 
what's the risk tolerance that we recommend. Now, some clients or some prospective clients, when they're coming in to see us for the first time, they'll argue, well, I should be more in growth than that. I think everybody's kind of brainwashed that you should be in a high percentage of growth because they keep telling us we're going to live longer and we need this money for decades of time, et cetera. But if you can afford not to be, and especially with uh, interest rates this favorable right now, maybe you don't have to be quite as risky as you thought you had to be. Bruce? I love that you went there with your answer. And, and you know, again, we talk about it a lot on the show that uh, we don't see pensions, the, the traditional you know, defined benefit plan pension as much as we used to. And those people that still have them, it's a definite advantage because it really gives them a lot greater flexibility with their other investments, their other retirement plans. But I love that you went to that point, Peg, because I, I, I want to repeat that. That is so key. Sometimes we tell people to reduce risk exposure, to, to not have so much in stocks. I think everyone thinks the opposite, that we're always pushing stocks and investments. I, I frequently tell clients, I want you to have more cash and less money with me. Find the highest interest rate you can and put more money there because financial planning and then the investment management that results from the financial projections is to get you the return that you need for the lifestyle that you want that gives you, you know, client that gives you uh, life satisfaction without having to worry about running out of money. But we want to get that return with the least amount of risk possible. So sometimes we tell people to get out of the market. Now, the, the, the flip side is true more often because there are more people that as they get older, get more risk adverse that say, no, I got to get out of the market. And then we have to say, well, look, if you do that, if you put all your money in cash, we know that your rate of return is going to be so low that A, you won't keep up with the rate of inflation and you'll lose purchasing power. But B, the rate of return is so low, you're going to end up blowing through all your money unless you're really lucky and die really, really young. So most of the time we have to tell people to keep equity exposure, but some of the time people are too aggressive and we try to talk them down. We, we want you to take the risk, the least amount of risk possible to get the rate of return that you need to be successful. That's so smart that you said that. I just wanted to emphasize it. Susie. Yeah, we have another text. Uh, great show. What is uh, what, do Peg and Bruce think about a retirement age? My company wants to mandate the age. Can you do that? Wow. I don't think so. I don't know that I've ever heard of that. Um, so the question is, what is a good retirement age? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. a little, yeah. I mean, I guess what is a great show thoughts on a retirement age company wants to mandate it. I, I think that's a bit odd. I mean, I guess you could have a buyout, right? I mean, you could offer a, you know what I mean? If you need to yeah. get people, encourage people to take a buyout and re, and retire early for the company. I mean, you've heard some, of that. Yeah. Some, some industries like I think pilots have a maximum age that they can't, fly after yeah. anymore. So I, I, that's yeah. the one example I could think of. Peg, what do you think? Yeah. Well, let's, the, the, the texture before was 59 and we were kind of congratulating them if they can afford to, and they must've been good savers. You know, to me, there isn't really a retirement age. There's retirement 
um, factors to take into consideration whether you make that decision, like do you get a pension? What's your Social Security number? How many assets have you saved that has to produce a paycheck for the rest of your life? Right. Who else is involved in, you know, that paycheck? So um, there's a lot of questions there, and I don't think there's an actual retirement age. And then there's this other thing. I love my job. I have a lot of clients who love their jobs, and they could hands down retire. Yeah. They have been great savers. So I don't have a, a particular age in mind. Interesting. You know, I do think a lot of people think about it. When is a good time? I've talked to people that have started to take retirement early because they needed to, you know, financially. And then you just have to, I suppose, make accommodations to make sure that that whatever amount you're taking out of Social Security or your savings lasts as long as you live. Exactly. Go ahead, Bruce. No, go ahead, Peg, please. I was just going to say there's a lot of these gig, you know, these um, making a little bit of money here and there, part-time jobs, Bruce. Well, you know, again, when people think of retirement, I think they are thinking either of when they can draw their Social Security benefit. And for those that don't know, that can be as early as age 62. But then there's something called full retirement age where you get your full benefit and that's either 66 or 67. If you were born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age for Social Security is 67. But then it gets tricky because a lot of people think of retirement age as being eligible for Medicare benefits. And so that's age 65. So I guess if you want to look at what is a, you know, the typical or the presumed retirement age, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood, you know, 65 All right. when you're eligible for Medicare and you can get Social Security if you want to. All right. Well, we have about a minute, so maybe we should tie a bow on this and let folks know if you're listening, a couple questions came in we're not going to get to. So please, to people that didn't get your question answered, you can email it at to your money at wealthenhancement.com. Again, that's your money at wealthenhancement.com. You can always call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Someone will get back to you. That number is 888-6-ADVICE, 888-6-ADVICE. Peg and Bruce, it's been a wonderful show. So much going on. We have to keep everything, keep track of everything and keep listening to the show. So we'll see you next time. Yeah, and go to your money. Yeah, your money at wealthenhancement.com for the webinar. Oh, good, good. That's where they can find that too. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Have a great day, ladies. Yep, make it a great week. Again, 888-6-ADVICE with questions for Bruce or Peg.